Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're going to launch into a new series today called the school of prayer. And what I have found, to be very honest with you, I find this to be true in my own life. I find this to be true in people that I interact with. It is probably the number one struggle that every Christian has. Knowing how to pray, knowing that we're heard, knowing just how to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is the number one struggle. Yes, you have struggles in your life. Yes, you might be facing something right now. But let's just be honest. Even as you face the other struggles, what's the one thing that you do when you face the other struggles? It's pray, right? Asking God to help you out of your problem. But the problem is, is that as you're going through it, you often feel inadequate in prayer. You don't know how to pray. And, and you just think of it as something that you're never going to attain. And then in your mind, you feel like you are so less than because you look out there and there are these super Christian people who know how to pray. You're never going to be like them. You know what I'm talking about? You ever felt that way? Prayer is a struggle. So we're going to enter into a school of prayer. We're going to look at it from the life of a prophet by the name of Elijah. Now, why would I choose Elijah for us to consider prayer about? Well, because James mentions Elijah. He mentions Elijah in a very, very small passage that talks about prayer and talks about effective prayer, and he says that Elijah is just like that and that he's just like, are you ready for this, He's just like you and me. And immediately our thoughts are, wait a minute, I am not like Elijah. And I sure don't see God answering prayers in my life like he did in Elijah's life. Are we, would everybody agree with that? You're not seeing God working in your life like you see working in Elijah's life. So what we're going to do is we're going to enter into a school. We're going to look at his life and see how did this guy get this kind of prayer life? And why would James say that he's just like us? Well, we're going to look at that today. But first, let's talk about the frustration. When we talk about prayer, usually for most Christians, it's just kind of equated with one word, frustration. Why is that? Here's the first thing. Meaningful prayer seems beyond our grasp. Meaningful prayer seems beyond our grasp. You ever tried praying for a long period of time? Maybe you made that decision that you're going to become a regular person of prayer and you start into prayer and five minutes into it, you decide that you don't know what else to pray about. Or you decide, I'm going to get up a little bit earlier in the morning and start praying. So you sit down in a big easy chair or sit down wherever you sit and you start praying and here's what you find yourself doing as you pray. Find yourself nodding in agreement. And eventually, you quit nodding. Do you know what I'm saying? You 
also maybe have tried to pray and you get distracted. For some reason as you're praying, you now are very much aware of every little faucet in the house that's dripping. And then you're like, I better get so-and-so to take care of that. I better mark that down. I wonder if that's affecting my water bill. You start thinking that way, and you're just trying to pray, and you're like, oh, oh, I'm praying. Excuse me. Forgive me, Lord. And then you start praying again, and then you start thinking about the dinner later on. What are you going to have for dinner? Oh, excuse me, Lord. Do you know what I'm talking about? We get frustrated, and meaningful prayer, let's just be honest, seems beyond our grasp. So what we do, we eventually just give up. We eventually just decide to stop praying because it seems like an uphill battle. Do you know what I'm talking about? A lot of you are laughing. A lot of you are nodding your head. You understand what I'm talking about. Here's the other thing, and this is probably the most devastating thing for us. We have come to expect that our prayers will be unanswered. I hate to say that, but that's just the reality. You know, the proper spiritual thing to do in church is to say, we believe in answered prayer. I mean, that's the proper thing to say in a church, right? We believe in answered prayer. But as we say that internally, we usually say that with reference to somebody else. But when it comes to our own lives and the prayer requests that we're bringing before God and the things that we're lifting up before him, We've kind of come to expect that our prayers, our personal prayers, not the prayers of the guy next to you that's always giving testimony about how God answered his prayers, but your prayers are unanswered. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one who goes through that? I mean, this is why we're frustrated, right? This is why we we struggle with the whole issue of prayer. It just seems beyond our grasp to have meaningful prayer, and it just seems like he's answering everybody else but me. Everybody else but me. And, And you do the mental gymnastic things like, well, maybe my prayer request was selfish because he doesn't answer selfish prayer. And you start doing these mental things. Is there something wrong with me? And you start examining your sin list. What haven't I confessed, Lord? Is there something that's holding back your blessing? Been there, haven't we? We've done that. We can resonate. This is what we're going to be addressing over the next few weeks. And I'm I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. As we go through the life of Elijah, not every week is going to specifically address the issue of prayer, but we're going to look at a life that prays. Why? Because the passage we're about to read will be a clue to why we're looking at Elijah. Let's look at the passage together. We're in James chapter 5. It starts out with something that is very interesting. Look with me at verse 15. We're going to read to verse 18. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, 
and the earth produced its fruit. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses, and I'm going to divide them up into two sections. First of all, I'm going to take the first two verses and talk about the biblical standard of prayer. The first two verses, verse 15 and 16, are basically going to talk to us about the biblical standard of prayer. And as soon as I say that, you're going to say, okay, George, I already, I already expect what it's going to say there. You are setting the bar high. Do you know what I'm saying? You're setting the requirements high there. Well, we're going to read and try to understand what it's saying here. And maybe you're going to realize that the bar ain't as high as you think it is. Can I say that again? Maybe you're going to realize that the bar for meaningful prayer is not as high as you think it is. And then the second part, we're going to look at a man like us, like you. What does that mean? So let's look first of all, verse 15. He says this, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. What's going on here? First thing I want you to see is James is telling us is that the prayer of faith sees answers to prayer. The prayer of faith sees answers to prayer. Let me stop for a moment. Some of you are saying, I already knew that, George. That's the problem. I don't have enough faith. I already know that. I've heard other preachers talk about it, that the people of faith, they're the ones who see answers to prayer. That's super Christians, George. That's people who are really walking close to the Lord. And my relationship with the Lord is not where it should be. And you're setting the bar high. You've got it up there. That's why I want to make the second point to you. The second point is this. We struggle with knowing what the prayer of faith is. We struggle with knowing what the prayer of faith is. What are you talking about, George? Well, I want you to understand something. When you look at this passage and you look at what it's saying, if you go a few verses before there, it's talking about those who are sick, calling for the elders to pray over them that they may be healed. And then verse 15, the prayer of faith will bring the healing. Immediately we assume, listen to me, as soon as we read that and we see what the prayer of faith accomplishes, we immediately assume that this prayer of faith is something that belongs to, are you ready, super spiritual people. And we believe it is this bar that's set way up here and we look at our lives and we say, that's beyond me. I shouldn't even try it. And so some of you don't. That's beyond me. I shouldn't have any expectation there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you understand what I'm talking about? We get to the place where we struggle with knowing what the prayer of faith is. In fact, we listen to some TV preacher. Maybe you're surfing you're watching a game, a commercial comes on, you surf between, you know, if, if you're like me, you're always wanting to see what's on the, during, the, during the break, right? You're looking at see, and you hear, you stop at some guy on TV, and he's talking about the reason why you're not seeing answers to your prayer is because you don't have enough, what? Faith. That's not what it's talking about here. Actually, you could actually translate it this. It's called the prayer of faith, but it's also proper to translate it Faith's prayer. Faith's prayer. 
Faith, apostrophe S, prayer. It's talking about praying out of what you believe about God. That's what faith is. Faith is your trust and commitment in God. It's praying out of what you believe about your God. And faith comes two places. Number one, everybody has faith because who gives it to you? The scriptures tell us that God gives you your faith, number one. Number two, your faith is developed because as you go through life, you learn what? More and more about Jesus and more and more about God. And as he brings you through the experiences of life, your faith increases because what? You trust him more. You understand him more. And so what he's talking about here, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith comes out of the level of trust and faith you have right now in your life at that moment. Do you understand? It's not somebody super spiritual. It's where you're at right now. Do you understand? That's the biblical standard. That's the biblical standard. In fact, to, to add to it, there's a third point I want you to see here. I want you to see the third point. We see it down in verse 16. Look at what it says there. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We'll explain that a little bit because, again, it seems like James is setting that bar up real high here. Well, here's the point I want you to see. Here's the standard. The prayer of a believer is powerful to accomplish much. The prayer of a believer is powerful to accomplish much. Let me just stop for a moment. When you look at that phrase there, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, let me just stop for a moment. Where we get hung up is, is on that term righteous. Because you, if you're like me, you're getting up in the morning. I get up every morning. First thing I do is after I get my day, I, I, after I get some food in my belly, as I go upstairs, get ready, get my shower, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm looking at me. I'm looking at me. You look at yourself in the morning. And you have thoughts. And a lot of times you're looking in yourself and you're saying, I'm not righteous. In the morning you don't look righteous. But I'm not righteous, right? This can't be talking about me. Hold on. It is. Because if you know Jesus, your righteousness has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that Jesus made you righteous. Did you understand what I'm saying? He made you righteous. So it's saying the effective, fervent prayer of a believer. Are you a believer? So what it's saying, the prayer of a believer, here's the standard, is powerful to accomplish much. You have the ability to accomplish much through your prayers. Problem is, is we don't what? Pray. And we don't believe that we're going to get an answer. Here's the fourth point I want to make from this section. The fourth point is we struggle seeing the power of our prayers. James is not setting a bar here that's so high that we can't obtain. His purpose here is not to defeat us. His purpose here is not to make us feel like we can never be spiritual enough. His purpose is to communicate to you that you have the means right in front of you through the relationship with Jesus Christ to be able to change the world around you through prayer. The problem is, is we don't do it because we've got wrong conceptions 
misunderstandings guiding us. So think about what he says. The prayer of faith will bring healing. What's the prayer of faith? Prayer that comes out of your faith, comes out of your trust in God. What else is he saying? The prayer of a righteous man, a prayer of a believer, what? Is powerful. You need to believe that. So let me just stop for a moment. I want you to think with me for a moment. Think about the last time you had a time of prayer with God. Not here at the church. Not before your meal. But I want you to think about what you were praying about, whatever you were talking to God about, whatever is going on in your heart, and whatever you're facing, and whatever struggle you're going with. I want you to think about it for a moment. Now stop for a moment. As you think about it, I want you to think about you. What did you really believe when you were praying? Were you just hoping that maybe he would hear you? Or were you convinced that you have access to the living God and that he will hear you? Were you just hoping or were you convinced? Do you understand, see the difference? The purpose in James here is he wants you and I to come to a place of understanding that we're convinced that we have direct access to God and that your prayer can accomplish much and that your prayer is powerful. That's what he's trying to say here. That's what you and I have to become convinced of. And to illustrate the point, he refers to Elijah. Look at what he says, verse 17. And Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. A man like us, a man like us, When we see the name Elijah, we think about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration meeting with Moses and Elijah. A man like us, when we think about Elijah, we think about him on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and God coming down in fire and consuming his his offering on that mountain, a great victory for Yahweh in the presence of all of God's enemies. We think about him being taken up by a chariot, never experiencing death, God coming and taking him. We think about a mighty man of God. But here's what James is saying. He's a dude like me and you. We've got to wrap our brain around that. Why is he giving us this illustration? He just set the biblical standard. He just said that it's the prayer, your faith's prayer that accomplishes as much, and it's your prayer that is powerful. In fact, here's the illustration, James says, it's Elijah. So what do we see here? Two points. First of all, the mighty prophet of God was a man like us. You've got to wrap that in your mind. I'm going to be honest with you. We do this in Christianity, and we've got to stop it. What do you mean? You know, we, we're human beings. And in our human, human system of the way that we operate, we have levels that we place people at. And, and for some reason, whether it's the influence of our culture or the influence of our family background through the generations, we put holy men up here. Did you remember? We put them high on pedestals. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like they're holy men. It's true in our culture. It's true in cultures around the world. They're holy men. We go to seek some secret wisdom from the holy men to help us with our spiritual life. We put pastors on that. Dude, we are all the same. Cut me, I bleed. We'll cut you, you bleed. 
My blood ain't special. Your blood ain't special. Holy men bleed like anybody else. Here, can I tell you something? Holy men sin. Do you understand? Holy men got problems. Did Elijah have problems? You better believe it. Did he sin? Guarantee it. But why do we put him up there? Because he got something that we don't have. What's that? A trust in the God who answers prayer. And what James is saying, you can have that same trust too. He's a man like us. The mighty prophet of God, the mighty prophet Elijah, was a man just like us. He got up and put on his camel skin whatever the same way everybody else does. Probably the only thing we do is tie a belt like he does. But the point is, he's like you and I. Here's the second thing I want you to see. He was serious about his prayer life and not half-hearted. He was serious about his prayer life and not half-hearted. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. He was a man with a nature like ours, verse 17, and he prayed earnestly. What does that mean? He was committed to praying. He prayed seriously. When he met with God, it was a serious moment for him. He knew, God, you've got to do this. God, you're going to do this. You told me to do this. God, he met with God. How do we pray? Afterthought, half-hearted, not expecting an answer. That's the difference. In in every other way, he's just like you and I. The only difference is is he's serious about talking with God. We're half-hearted. Do you see that? He's serious. And oftentimes, we're not. I'm going to give you two thoughts. Two thoughts I want you to see as we conclude this, as we try to wrap this up, as we try to come to some sort of conclusion here with what we're saying, what I'm saying to you. I want to I give you two thoughts to wrestle with. I want to give you two thoughts to, to kind of set the tone for the next few weeks. And, and here's, here's my prayer. My prayer is, is that I know that it's getting to be, it is spring and it's getting to be summer and the weather is nice. But you've got to ask yourself a question. Are you happy with where you're at right now in your prayer life with the Lord? Are you happy in your relationship with him? Do you want something more? Do you want to have a life that sees answers to prayer? And if you do, listen, I'm going to encourage you. Then make a commitment for the next few weeks. I'm going to be at church so that I can hear more and grow so that I can go through, are you ready for this, the school of prayer? Or are you going to be half-hearted? So here's the two thoughts. You need to examine the nature of your prayer life. You need to examine the nature of your prayer life. Hey, I'll just be honest with you. For for years I read this statistic. It's still true that the average pastor, okay, we're talking about holy men now, the average pastor prays on average three minutes a day. Three minutes a day. It didn't take me long to figure that one out. Breakfast, lunch, supper. (laughs) 
You ever been with a preacher out for lunch? It sounds like he's having his devotions because he's going on and on and on before prayer. It's because he probably is having his devotions. And I've been guilty of that. But look, if we're going to get serious about having a meaningful relationship with God, if we're going to get serious about communicating with Him, about the things that are going on in our lives, and if we're going to get serious about wanting to see Him answer our prayers, you have to first start off and be honest with yourself. Be honest. Look in the mirror. Be honest with yourself about your prayer life. And say... It's half-hearted. And maybe say, I don't expect any answers. Or maybe it's ritualistic. Did you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be honest. You need to examine the nature of your prayer life. All of us do. I have to. You have to. First thought. Here's the second one. You have to be willing to allow your faith in God to guide your prayers. Well, hello, George. Isn't that just assumed? Actually, you might be shocked. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times our prayers are not from faith. They're from obligation. A lot of times they're not from faith, they're from ritual. Because you ever notice, you ever prayed something and five minutes later you can't even remember what you prayed? You know what I'm talking about? You can't, I mean, seriously, you're talking to the God of the universe, you're having a, you're having a, a communication with the person who loved for you, died for you, and, and you can't remember five minutes ago what you said? Listen, if we, if we had that happen in a marriage relationship, and let's say you came to see Pastor George about some struggles you're going on, and, and the wife says, you know, I was having a conversation with him, and five minutes later he didn't remember anything we talked about, we would say, hello, you're in trouble. Wouldn't we? Yes, we would but yet we do the same thing in our relationship with God? You have to be willing to allow your faith, what you truly believe about God, what you trust in God, to guide your prayers. In fact, this statement right here, I want you to put, if you wrote it down, I want you to put an asterisk by it because this is why we're looking at the life of Elijah. Because as we look at the life of Elijah, you're going to see what God does in his life that strengthens his faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? The story of Elijah is not a story of how to pray, but it's really a story of how does a guy get to believe that about God, that he can pray and see God answer prayer? And I'm saying to you, God's already doing the same things in your life. It's how you process them. It's how you process them.
thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.